G'day everyone, welcome back to Songs in the Key of Life, where each episode we spend time with a different person, any person from anywhere, and find out what their top five songs are of all time, and why they've chosen them. I'm going to read today with a man who has made music his life, from journo to CEO, activist, advocate, fan, and frontman. Paddy, thanks for joining us. G'day Al. Uh, before we get the tracks, I have to ask everyone, how much of a prick am I to make it only five tracks? Yeah, well, I must say I've been uh, a real prick, actually. <laughs> I must say I've been planning the five-year Desert desert Island albums, but yeah. I've never actually been asked it. So uh, every year I sort of think about it and yeah. it changes a little bit, but um, the five songs, you know, brutal. But um, you did ask me to, uh, one of the questions was when you first heard it, um, and for various reasons, songs I heard in my teenage and early adult years, I don't necessarily remember that first moment, but I certainly remember two songs when I was a child, and yeah. I had no choice in um, loving those songs. It was just a physical, mechanical reaction to it. So, yeah, I'm going to kick off with two of the early ones. Nice one. Well, let's fire away with the first one. What is it? When did you hear it? And tell us why you like okay. it still. So it's Come Back Again by Daddy Cool. Great. Um, so, you know... Um, just, yeah, I heard it when I grew up at Aries Inlet. Um, we always thought that Daddy Cool lived in Aries Inlet because right. Eagle Rock and Eagle Rock Parade right. are in um, Aries Inlet. So right. we would crank it, my dad would crank it, and Saturday night they'd be dancing around doing air guitar. Um, and we were just kids, and we always thought that Daddy Cool lived around the corner, and if we turned up loud enough, they'd get into it. Um, come back again, I preferred to, to Eagle Rock, and... Um, it's a bit like the second song I'll mention. It's just this effortless feel. Isn't um, it, though? It's so relaxed. So relaxed. And the musicianship. I mean, they were a world-class band. They should have been massive overseas. Yeah. Um, Elton John and um, a number of artists loved uh, Eagle Rock and loved some of their work, but they uh, it just didn't work overseas. They just um, didn't, didn't spread. But the musicianship is second to none, and um, it's that band. It's that rhythm section. Yeah. So... Wayne Duncan on bass, uh, the shuffle walk, and uh, Gary Young on, on, on drums. And then you've got Ross Wilson, the great singer-songwriter uh, and producer, and um, Ross Hannaford, yeah, yeah on yeah. guitar. So it's the effortless shuffle beat, uh, Gary Young's hi-hat, and then Ross just comes in. And I was five, so I didn't know what uh, being heartbroken felt like, but I sort of got a glimpse into what it was going <laughs> to feel like. Yes. I won't sing it, but I'm moping around the streets late at night. I'm worried because you ain't treating me right. Come back again. I'm just crazy about your babe, and yeah. it was so lonesome, and it was so heartfelt, and it was so despondent. Um, it just takes you there. You just you just feel like a teenager has been dumped. You know, walking around the block, and you know that was that was a few years ahead um, away, but we all felt that, and soon enough. Yeah, totally. Do you reckon? I mean, I, I reckon when you listen to Daddy Cool, it, it doesn't actually sound Australian. There's something a bit California about it, don't you reckon? It's yeah. so kind of laid back, a bit West Coast. And, and I reckon a lot of people wouldn't know it's a Melbourne band. No, no, I don't, I don't think they would. Um, and, you know, a lot of the Eagle Rock was actually a, a UK dance craze, so um, it, was, it was quite a universal theme there. But um, the other thing was a very good friend of mine, Craig Horn, when Daddy Cool split up, he ended up playing with that rhythm section. Oh, wow. So Craig Horn from the Hornets, who's written some great books, including the Daddy Cool book. Uh, and so he played with that rhythm section, Gary Young and Wayne Duncan. Uh, and years later when I first met Craig and I was writing for The Age, I went down to the Muddy Waters Blues Cafe uh, in Chapel Street to see them play. Yeah. 
met them all at, at, at half time at the, at the break and said, oh, God, come back again, you know, one of my favourites all, all time. Um, and they said, do you want to get up and sing it in the second half? I know. They had not played it since Daddy Cool split up, um, you know, 25 years earlier. And so you, got to have, you had a turn? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you need to have a song you know all the lyrics to. Yeah, yes, really. You do. And it helps if you're not a great singer to have a song, song you can do a bit of a spoken word to. <laughs> so I jumped up and saying, come back again with the rhythm section, the rhythm section. Wow. At the Muddy Waters Blues Cafe. And, um, and that was an amazing, amazing experience. So I actually lived in that, on that effortless shuffle and glided on it. And got to experience. Well, no wonder it's in your top five. That's not just a childhood thing. That's an adult yeah. thing as well, man. And then, and then Craig Horn, um, I ran the Music Victoria Awards and we uh, used to induct an old legendary band and then get them to play and try and encourage them to make a reformation. And um, Craig helped me talk Daddy Cool into uh, coming back and playing their first show in 25 years. And we inducted them in the Hall of Fame and got to stand there side stage. And Ross's guitar solo in Come Back Again was like, uh, you know... Uh, otherworldly, um, and got to have that whole beautiful experience with them. First show in 25 years. My dad had never seen them. Got him, you know, a good spot. Got him some tickets. Great. And then within a year, two of them, two of them had died. Yeah. Um, so that was the end of that. So I have a lot of personal connections with the song as well. My favourite bit in it is that falsetto bridge that he does. Yeah. Did you? Did you? How'd you go with that on stage? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And there's a falsetto bridge in the next song I'm going to mention too. When you're a kid, it's just it's just like candy. Yeah. All right, well, now we're here. So uh, take us to the next one um, and, and tell us a story around this one. All right, so it's Keep On Rocking Me Baby by Steve Miller Band. Just about the perfect pop rock song. Um, written by uh, Steve Miller in 1971. I only recently found out his band in 1970... Uh, his band were about to support Pink Floyd. They were about to play before Pink Floyd at a festival in the UK. Right. And they were about to... Um, and they were really worried... Um, that they were just, you know, going to just be boring. <laughs> so he just thought, I've got to write the greatest, happiest song ever. Um, and he wrote it, you know. Uh, Jesus, really? For that show and played it and, you know, Amazing. got everyone jumping up and down. I don't know what, you know, how Pink Floyd would have come on afterwards. But uh, it's basically the story of a journeyman, um, a rambling man travelling around America like so many musicians and just having an upbeat, you know, uh, attitude to life, you know, and boasting where he's been, you know. Phoenix, Arizona, all the way to Tacoma, Philadelphia, Atlanta, LA, Northern California, where the girls are. Yeah. And it's great, and it's got a real, you know, drive to it, and then the break, and then um, his woo, 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 yeah. It's not not dissimilar to Daddy Cool in a way. It is quite similar in a way, and my uncle Pete in New Zealand used to play that song, and every time they did the woo, woo, woo bit, I just fall on the ground laughing. Yeah, it's right. like a five-year-old. <laughs> so selling kids candy. Um, and then um, once again, you need a song up your sleeve for karaoke. Yes. Um, and particularly if you're in, in Vietnam and there's no lyrics, you know, you have to sort of wing it. Yeah. So I was um, at a wedding with the Beast. Um, it was his uh, niece's uh, wedding in, uh, or nephew nephew's wedding in, in Vietnam. And my family were there and, big reception centre, and um, they uh, started the proceedings by saying they had a very special interna- international uh, guest singers there, um, Paddy and the Beast, and uh, we had to get up and I said, look, you better get some lyrics up for us. And then they said, yeah, yeah, no worries, and it was all in Vietnamese. Right. Um, so anyway, I had to jump up in front of, you know, 300 Vietnamese um, friends but and strangers, but also my family, and um, what else was I going to do? 
but keep on rocking me, baby. And um, and I think I pulled it off. Um, but anyway, um, there's you know there's not much more to say about that song. It just sounds super cool. It does. It's on the Fly Lot, Fly Like an Eagle album, which is one of the first sort of stoner rock albums. Um, and it's light, um, and it just sounds like you're travelling around on a, on a big road trip and name checking, checking wherever you've been and, and you're nailing it. No, and also it's just that classic, really simple three-chord progression rock song. Like, there's no fucking around with this. Yeah. But that's why it's so effective, yeah. I reckon. You're just not trying to do anything too fancy. It's almost formulaic. I mean, you know, come back again, it's just eight bars, repeat, repeat, repeat. Yeah. Um, and a couple other songs I'm going to mention soon... Um, you know, are pretty much just ten minutes of uh, of the same same uh, thing over yeah. and over. Yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. rock and roll in a lot of ways, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. You get the fill on the on the solos and the and the drums sometimes. Yeah. All right. Before we get to the next track, I know you're a massive Stones fan, mm. so I want to just check how how do you narrow down of all of the tracks to one? Yeah. Uh, from the Stones, and uh, and tell us about as well when you've seen them live. At yeah. least one time. I think it was yeah. once in New York. Am I yeah, right? yeah. Um, I mean, the hard thing is uh, you, you play some songs to death and without doubt the two biggest songs during our latter teens were uh, Sympathy for Devil by The Stones and, um, and Lust of a Life by Iggy Pop. They are the two songs that got us fired up. Um, you know, they united us all. But then you play them to death and then later on in life, you know, someone asks you your favourite Stones song and it's, oh, well, it's a Moonlight Mile, you know. Uh, yeah. The, 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 the violin sort of, uh, you know, ballad that finishes off Sticky Fingers. Um, so uh, it had to be, I had to think about it and slap myself around and say, well, it had to be, had <laughs> right. to be it really had to be Sympathy for the Devil because it's one of the most unique, you know, Western rock songs. Um, there is, it combines so many different things. Yeah. Um, and I'll get into that in a sec. Um, we, we actually went and saw the Stones early on um, when, they were, when they were pretty ordinary shows at, at Rod Laver and we, all walked out of Rod Laver, um, and I remember some weather person or someone from Channel Nine was getting Vox Pops and asked, you know, oh, how was it? And we all just said it was shit. They didn't play Sympathy for the Devil. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't even enjoy the show. Yeah, right. Because they didn't play it, and now it's a staple. Um, Stone shows, you know, they've had cancelled a lot over the years, um, but I did go to the 50th anniversary show in New York um, about uh, seven or eight years ago. Um, in about sort of 2015. So I went over there with James Young and um, they were doing two shows and uh, Paul Dainty and Tim McGregor were actually putting the shows on. Yeah. And it was paper. Okay. And they had a special show one night where they had uh, all these guests. So Springsteen just was in New Jersey and Springsteen just caught a cab down and jumped up and did Tumbling Dice and wow. and the Black Keys did On Going Down, um, Gary Cooper Jr. and uh, Lady Gaga totally destroyed, like, like actually ruined uh, um, uh, Give Me Shelter Right Okay Which is my other Favourite song But we had a, An amazing Amazing experience Over there um, Seeing the Stones And we were there For three days And <clears throat> it got to the stage Where everywhere we looked There was a Stones reference Next to the bar We were at Was called Tops Or there's a bakery Called Tops Which is one of our Favourite songs um, We just saw it everywhere To the point where I actually Got some money Out of an ATM machine I remember looking At the receipt And turned to James And said See, there you go. And there was a Rolling Stones line on the receipt. What was the line? I still can't remember what it is. <laughs> You've got to find out, man. I know. But, but I remember looking and going, see, there you go. It's we, everywhere. It was everywhere. We get in the lift, you know, to our, part, uh, our hotel room and we said to the people on the lift, what, 
what floor are you on? They said 11, you know, same as next to us. So I started screaming Neighbours, the song Neighbours at them, which is about neighbours complaining. So, you know, it was a magical, magical time. And obviously the New York years for the Stones and yeah. Studio 54's influence on, on them for some of those sort of latest 70s albums was a great place to be. So why Sympathy? Um, well, um, it's based on a book called The Master and the Margarita, quite a famous Russian novel, which I actually read in St. Petersburg. Yep. Um, and when I interviewed Mick Jagger, I asked him about it yep. and asked him about that influence. And he said that Marianne Faithful gave him the book and inspired him to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it was Jagger wrote it on his own and it was his attempt to, um, to be Dylan-esque. Yes. So it um, started off as a folk song. Well, it's a ballad. It tells a story, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, they'd never recorded anything like like it before. Um, and on a great Stones doco called Olé, 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 um, about a tour of theirs in South America and Mexico and Cuba, um, they actually reveal that Mick and Keith went to Brazil uh, with Anita Pallenberg and Marianne Faithful uh, in about 66, 67, quite right. early on, and basically discovered, you know, uh, samba rhythms and, okay. and percussion. So... Um, Mick wrote the lyrics and then essentially, um, you know, Keith got involved. Um, he played bass on it and um, it was, uh, you know, this it turned into this, you know, much more upbeat, much more up-tempo, but it had this samba rhythm, which, you know, uh, most Westerners are quite unfamiliar with. Yeah. And then over the top of it, you had just the most menacing Mick Jagger's ever sounded, mm. um, basically uh, playing the character of the devil. Yeah. Um, which was the, char- the main character in The Master and the Margarita. Um, and he's basically name-checking all these assassinations and, you know, uh, world wars and... Um, evil doings. Yeah, basically. evil doings. And he's the devil and he's done them all. And it just it was just incredible. Yeah. It was so menacing. And they were sort of dealing with that sort of, you know, they were trying to be satanic with those, you know, the, the Satanic Majesty's Request album, which was shit. Yeah, um, but then they just did this song, which was, you know, the most sort of satanic thing they could have done. He does. He does do a good job, I reckon, of of compacting all that story into pretty tight verses, choruses, verse chorus all mm. the time. Like, and again, it's like three chords, right? Four chords yeah. for the whole song. Yep. But the the drums over the top and and out and everything just gives it so much more richness. And then at the end, when when Keith is doing little oh, stabbing kind of, that's riffs. my favorite Keith solo of all time. Yeah. Um, you know, we we had some friends in a band called the Rolling Lois Boys, and they finished every. Every set they did with a one-hour version of Sympathy for the Devil and um, everyone can, partic- can participate in it too. Yeah. Whether it's um, just by the woo-woos. Yeah, yeah, totally. So the woo-woos are interesting. Um, so, I mean, it was the first song off 68's Beggar's Banquet. Yep. Uh, and they Street Fighting Man opened the second side and Street Fighting Man was a lot more sort of political. Second side for those people, that's the LP version. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so Jimmy Miller produced the record and he... Um, he was yelling out apparently to uh, Mick saying, you know, who else, who else, who else did you kill, devil? Who, 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 who? And, um, and this was all filmed in John Luke Goddard's film called Sympathy for the Devil. Oh, okay. Nice. So you can see how it all happened. And um, so um, I think Anita Pallenberg heard Jimmy say, who, 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 who? And then it sounded like, woo, 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 woo. There you go. And um, she said, why don't, why don't we do those? So Marianne and Anita... Jumped in on, on... So they're the woo-woos, are they? On BVs, doing, yeah, right. doing the woo-woos. And you can see, see it all happening right in front, unfolding right in front of you. Yeah. And so easily could have been some, you know, disaster. It's so easy it could, could have been a Bob Dylan rip-off, you know, just a folk, folk number. But it can't be with, with 
Well, I, I, yeah, absolutely. But it, it with uh, Keith doing those stabs and and that solo and and yeah, it just it, it's always going to sound bluesy and dirty and swampy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it's in an interview with a vampire, wasn't it? They may have the thing that the, the movie that I or book that I connect to with that song is basically Andres Thompson and the Attorney. Okay, are playing over and over and over with the top down and the caddy on the drive to. Um, to Vegas. Right, in, in Fear and Loathing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so we're on this rock journey, Paddy, and it's 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 just, it's, it's going to get heavy now. Yeah. Uh, tell us about track four, uh, introduce us to this band and then this song. <clears throat> yeah. Well, um, I originally had, I know, you're not allowed to mention anything other than the five, but I had a number of... I'm sure you did. ...heavy songs. Yeah. And we were raised on the, on the dance floor of Hard and Fast um, yeah. in the early 90s, and... Um, we heard we heard them all there. I, I'm assuming there's an honorary mention to ACDC and all of this. Yeah, look, they just have so many great numbers. I mean, all you have to do is go to an Akadaka show and, um, you know... They keep busting them out. Let them be rocking, holler to Rosie and Jailbreak. I actually... I actually prefer... Uh, long Way to the Top's the obvious one. Um, I, I prefer Jailbreak with that riff and they film the... Um, the film clip out in a quarry in Sunshine... However, um, if you're going to do a big rock song, you need to do the biggest. And the biggest rock song of all time is Full Metal Jack Off by Jelly Biafra, backed by <laughs> DOA. And I know it's the biggest song of all time because Yosti and Tomo and I went to South America a long time ago and every night we would have a competition where we'd just play song after song, bigger, 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 before we'd go out and we'd have a competition to see if you could top the last one. And the only one that couldn't be topped was... Full Metal Jack Off, and we actually arrived in you know in Rio, freeway eight lanes wide. You know, said to the cab driver, "This is our song. Can you chuck it on?" And yeah. that was our theme song. You know, how did the on. cab driver take it? Ah, oh, that's okay. He, he went with the flow. Yeah, he went with the flow. So um, Jello Biafra obviously is a singer from um, uh, the lead singer from um, Dead Kennedys, right? And he did an album with a band called DOA, um, Dead on Arrival. Yep. And this is um, a 13-minute song, Full Metal Jack Off, and it's basically just squalling uh, feedback and then straight into this incredible riff, which I assume you'll be playing uh, for the listeners. Um, and it basically is pummeling 13 minutes of this riff. And Jello Biafra basically just um, does a tirade about the hypocrisy of the American government and uh, their drug policies. Um, so it's basically uh, based on the sort of conspiracy theory that the CIA flooded, um, you know, a lot of the main cities in America with crack cocaine. And they basically enabled the importation of crack cocaine and swapped it for guns. And in Colombia, I don't know all about the politics, but that's that's the conspiracy and then the hypocrisy of basically, um, you know, you couldn't even get a job without doing a pee test and, you know, you wouldn't get a job if you had marijuana in your system and, and yet they were killing these communities. And, yeah, right. um, and, and Washington, D.C., it's all based in Washington, D.C., which was... The murder capital of America um, at the time. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's like there's about three and a half minutes before there's even vocal, but once the vocal starts, he doesn't stop. It's kind of like this. It, it, it's it's interesting you say that because it's a tirade, really, in a way. It is. Once he gets going, I mean, arguably, it's more Dylan than anything else because it's political. Um, but it it kind of. There's something about all of these tracks I'm noticing that might be something you're interested in and, and, and then your final one is semi-spoken 
lyrics, not yeah. always full, you know, uh, melody. Yeah. Um, and there's a bit of that in this too, isn't there? Mm. Yeah, like the first two songs could not be more simple. Um, you know, pop rock songs, Course Ferris, Course Ferris Bridge. Um, and then Sympathy Breaks the Mould. Um, and then, you know, um, Jelly Biafra is pretty similar in terms of telling a story over rep- rep- repetition, uh, which is just great to dance to. Um, and then the final one is um, Maggot Brain by Funkadelic, essentially a guitar solo. Yes. Um, by Eddie Hazel, um, produced by George Clinton, uh, who does a very sp- small spoken word intro. Um, but this is the song that we always pass out to. Right. <laughs> Just as we know, Full Metal Jack Off is the biggest song of all time. This yeah. is, you know, the one you pass out to. Um, it's, a f- it's a funeral march. Right. So it's got this repetition and it's like based on the New Orleans fun- funeral march. And George Clinton said to Eddie... Um, Play like your mum has just died. Okay. Like, literally imagine she's just died. Yeah. And be as sad as possible. And he does this wailing guitar solo. Um, and the solos just had a huge influence on a lot of other guitarists. Um, Vernon Reed from um, Living Colour. Dean Ween. Um, John Frusciante from the Chili Peppers. They said that that song inspired their whole style of playing. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> Eddie died a number of years ago, but they still play the song. Um, and yeah, their shows when they came out about 15 years ago, they did Funkadelic and Parliament, and it would go for like three and a half hours, and they'd have to kick them off the stage. But um, very memorable at uh, at Meredith when um, I had to go and put someone down, uh, help someone, help someone uh, go to bed. Elaborate that, yeah. yeah and um, thank you. And uh, and as someone was just trying to calm, I was trying to help some calm someone down and yeah. send them off to bed. I wish I was standing there watching it, but um, you could hear it over the whole. Meredith Amphitheatre oh, and it fantastic. was this beautiful, beautiful soundtrack in, in, in that moment. I think it's good as well because it, it, it shines a light on like rock can have virtuosity and mm. amazing skill and playing and you know you mess some like Frisciante and stuff but like you know all these guys are incredible and some of these women are credible guitarists but rock doesn't often get kind of the credit for that mm. and this just heroes it massively. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just a solo. I mean, it's uh, it's the opposite to the last couple of songs. Um, you know, it's basically the instrument as a voice. And yeah. I uh, was in Gippsland after a, um, a big festival one night and a friend of mine was dying and my friend's dad was dying and we lay down at the end of the night out in the grass and we listened to it. And um, I had a pretty sort of extra uh, terrestrial experience um, in terms of... Um, uh, yeah, imagining what was going through her mind as she was dying. And I think my friend had a similar similar experience as well. So, um, yeah, right. yeah, that was pretty, that will always stick with me. It's not often music can do that to you. Do you think uh, the tracks that you've kind of shared today and, and more broadly, um, do you think you get more fixed in your youth around the tracks that you like or the style and the bands that you like? More fixed in what I like? Yeah, yeah. No, not at all. Um, in fact... In the last year, I'm playing um, uh, a lot of abstract jazz and um, and uh, electronica, amb- ambient electronica. Um, just amazing shows on PBS FM. My favourite's Deep Space. Yep. Monday morning, every every Monday morning, and I'm just going off into a whole different journey now. Um, we haven't been able to jump around dance floors in the last year That's and a right. half, so that um, I've just sort of adapted what I'm listening to. But um, uh, in terms of the songs that have stood the test of time um, and such incredible uh, connections with mateship 
yep. all of these songs. Yeah. You know. So it locates you in a time and a place often. Yeah, 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 it does. But over and over and over, they're just the songs we always play when we get together with old mates and, yeah. you know, um, we've been listening to them for so, so many decades now and they never tire. There's so much flexibility and room to move within the songs. Um, yeah, you never tire of them. And do you reckon that's what's enduring about rock? Like there's a lot of, it's all rock and roll in here. Some of them were, you know, when we were teenagers, they were dance floor songs. Um, I listened to as much, you know, hip-hop, you know, as rock and roll. Yeah. Um, but there wasn't, I mean, you know, The Message is probably the greatest hip-hop song of all time and I adore it and I know all the lyrics. And, yeah, yeah. But um, uh, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't speak to me. I'm not a black man in, in you know, Harlem. Of course. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, there's a whole lot of different styles I, I, I listen to. Um, but I suppose... Rock's been with me for sort of more of my life and I suppose they're more iconic and I can relate to them a bit more. Yeah, totally. Um, one more question for you. This is the, uh, you know, arguably rock had its day maybe in the 90s, yep. sort of ended, um, but with, with you know, uh, societies and cultures reopening again, do you reckon it'll have a comeback? Do you think there's still room? Uh, I think people... There's so many different subgenres now. So even the idea of rock, I mean, um, yeah. there's so many different subgenres of rock. Um, heavy metal um, has always been, you know, very popular. Um, rock and roll did did sort of die around sort of '94, and then made a bit of a comeback in '99 with the White Stripes and the yeah. Strokes. But you know, it was just repeating what had been done before. Um, so I wasn't surprised when everyone ran off and discovered dance music and looked for new opportunities and, and new, exciting new sounds. Uh, but rock will always be there, but, you know, uh, it has to be absolutely magic and have a real X factor to come through. There's a band called Wet Leg who have this song, um, uh, Chase Lounge, and you hear that and it just sounds like when you first heard, you know, Last Night by the Strokes or, you know, they've got it, but it's total, totally random what they've got. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, there's so many different subgenres and styles, styles of music. I don't think we'll, um, I mean... In April, I'm going to just a rock and roll festival, just rock and roll bands. Yeah. Um, they have about two or three rock and roll bands at Meredith these days, and it used to all be rock and roll. Yeah. Uh, I think it's good. I think one of the best things about Melbourne, um, the festivals, One Stage, Boogie, Meredith, Golden Plains, and they have just introduced Indian music and um, and country and reggae and, and, and Ghanaian music and, you know... Um, Basically, your average mainstream music fan has discovered all this other music. It's not obscure or world music. It's just what great music is. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't think anyone will just be into rock again. Yeah. I think, um, you know, you're into all sorts of different things. Yeah, nice. Nice one. Paddy, thanks for sharing. Uh, remember, everyone, Paddy's Spotify playlist is in the episode notes of the show. Subscribe. Give us a rating. This has been Songs in the Key of Life. Thanks for listening. Cheers, Al. That was fun. What's the first album you ever bought? Uh, I bought the singles, which was... Um, I went to Coles and bought Like a Virgin by Madonna and Kiss by Prince. Great. Um, I bought them both. And um, the first album I bought was uh, Abraxas by um, um, Santana because it was like a double record. You know, you just wanted... More bang for your buck. More bang for your buck. And... You know, if you're talking about, um, you know, this isn't Desert Island songs, but if you if you you might rephrase it as if you only could hear five songs before you're going to get shot in the head, yeah, you'd want a couple of thirteen minute ones in there, wouldn't you? Oh fuck yeah, yeah. Uh, the jukebox songs. I mean, heard it through the grapevines. Always, 
you always look for that on the jukebox because, uh, you know. It goes and goes and goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.